Thanks for tuning in to localjobnetwork.com radio, where you can find all of your favorite employment-related shows. I'm your host, Katie Chesney, and you're listening to Moving Up the Ladder, a show where we interview experts about how to move up the corporate ladder. And today we're talking about how to risk-proof your career, because at some point in your career, you will be just a piece of paper competing against other pieces of paper. So why not make your piece of paper look the best? And joining us to talk about this is Dustin McKisson, and he is the Director of Operations and Marketing at Metacred Incorporated. Well, Dustin, thanks for joining us again. We do appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Well, thank you for having me. I I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here. Now, as we look to talk about how to risk-proof your career today, I was just wondering, why is it important that you do this? Because inevitably, at some point, you're going to find yourself in your career where either, you know, your company has made a change, you've decided to make your own personal change and explore other opportunities, maybe before one is actually available to you. There are a variety of reasons that we can find ourselves in a place where we really need to have risk-proofed our career. And and sometimes that's of our own choosing, how we Mm -hmm. end up in those places, and sometimes it's not. Now, throughout your career, how important is it to be adaptable and be able to diversify just so you kind of can start mitigating that risk early on? It's critical. And I think you need to take any opportunity you can to get a new skill set, to learn something new, to make a new connection. Really, I think being adaptable is not only one of the keys to risk-proofing your career, but having a happy life in general. Mm -hmm. Take those opportunities when you get them, whether that's you know, joining a project team or taking an assignment outside of your area, be willing to humble yourself and know that, you know, you might be an expert in what you've been doing, but being adaptable and and learning new things requires sometimes that you're frequently requires that you're no longer the expert. And if those opportunities aren't available to you, uh, the really neat thing about I think the world today and social media and the ease of networking people with people is you can seek those opportunities. And so definitely do that. You need to have as well-rounded a skill set as possible. Now, back in kind of like 2008, when we were going through a recession and people were getting laid off left and right, a lot of people were looking at their careers and figuring, okay, what do I need to do to ensure that I'm not one that gets laid off? And I think that the environment has changed quite a lot now that we're in you know, 2015. Things are starting to look a little bit better. So do you think, you know, how people are going about risk-proofing their careers has dramatically changed? Or do you think that, you know, people are approaching it in the same manner? I think those, for one thing, things are cyclical. And uh, 2008, uh, for different reasons, will come again at some point. I mean, I think we all have parents and grandparents that have lived through multiple different economic environments. And knowing that usually what has gone around will come around again in some form. And you know, if you wait until that moment happens, then you're one of many. You know, if you were if you were in the financial services industry in 2008, that was your very specific skill set and experience, and you waited until then to find uh, a new one or to become more well-rounded. You were in the boat with a lot of other people doing the same thing at the same time. But I think it's really important to manage your career, not in anticipation of a disaster, just knowing that, again, there it can be um, a societal event like a recession. It can be a personal event. It can be as simple as maybe you need to relocate to take care of a sick family member and there aren't any opportunities in your industry in your new location. So it can be um, it can happen on the very local level in your own house. It can happen on a societal level. 
but I wouldn't wait for, for that to come around again, because I do think it's, it's human nature to look at the environment you're currently in and say, you know, times are good and I don't really need to worry about that. And you don't really need to worry all the time about it, but you do need to adequately prepare yourself. I mean, I know I keep coming back to this, but one of the really cool things about the world today is uh, you can do that in a variety of ways that aren't necessarily expensive or time consuming. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are courses available for free through the different I can't remember exactly what the acronym stands for, but the the MOOC system, okay. where several colleges provide courses for free. Those those courses can come from Harvard or MIT. I actually took a course from the University of Virginia's Business School in entrepreneurship last mm-hmm. year. Just again to take that opportunity before I necessarily need it, or also to learn something new. Now, before we dive into specific things that people can do to risk-proof their careers, I wanted to ask you what steps you have personally taken to risk-proof your own career. And it sounds like, you know, you've been attending classes, but what else have you done to really risk-proof it? Well, one of the things I really personally believe in is looking at an industry certification. And not every industry has one. Um, Most do. And by certification, I mean something like a CPA Mm -hmm. or you know, whatever the initials are that people in your industry have after their last name, some fields like information technology have multiple ones. That's something I really tried to do in my career to help risk proof it. So in my day job, I work for managing trade associations. Okay. So there's a designation in our industry called the Certified Association Executive. And three years ago, I became eligible to take that test. You have to have X number of years of experience and education in order to do it. And so I achieved that designation. And then I I earned another one called the Certified Marketing Executive. In the process of getting those certifications in any industry, uh, it's not just about risk-proofing. You learn something new. uh, You become more knowledgeable about your own industry. Usually, you participate in study groups, so it's even a network-building process. You connect with others that have that same designation. But it also sends a signal to employers that you're a safe bet. And most people have it, have it in mind that the hiring process is all about finding the best person. And mm-hmm. it is about finding the best person. But a hiring manager needs to mitigate their risk. And it's, it's difficult for them to take a chance on someone that's unproven. And those certifications signal that you're a pretty safe bet. Uh, people with certifications sometimes don't work out in a position. It's not a foolproof thing. But it does give a hiring manager a sense of, okay, um, I can at least be sure that this person knows their stuff. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, it's really an unexpected event. Now, would you recommend as a starting point for people who want to risk-proof their careers to look into getting those industry certifications or at least look into what's required for them so you can start working towards getting them? Yeah, I would absolutely recommend it. It also tends to be, I mean, there's a cost associated with it. You have to get you know, you have to get the continuing education hours or the initial education hours. The most certification granting bodies have some fairly inexpensive ways to do that. And then you have actually have to pay to take the test. But when you compare it to something like a graduate degree or something else, it is a very cost-effective way to risk-proof your career. And in some industries, the certification can actually matter more than having something like an MBA. And an example is, again, the financial services industry, there's a designation there called the Chartered Financial Analyst. It's Mm -hmm. a CFA. And the process to get a CFA is pretty intense and time-consuming. And I have some friends who have done it. It is no easy task, but when you compare it to an MBA, it's much more cost-effective and looked at as prestigiously or depending on the position, more prestigiously as an as a indicator that you have very deep knowledge in your specific area. 
Right. Now, speaking of those master's degrees, I feel like, you know, for some industries, it's a requirement. You should have one if you want to keep going. But for others, it's really that experience or their certification. So what recommendations would you have for people as far as looking at if a master's degree is the right fit for you? Because it is quite costly. The first step is I would look at your industry and I would look at people that have the types of positions that you aspire to. And again, because of social media and things like LinkedIn, it's it's very easy to do that. You know, just to start looking at people. And if you see that people who have become a an assistant vice president of X or general manager of X or whatever it is that your goal is, if they typically have a graduate degree, it's probably a pretty good indication that even if it's not necessarily required, you're going to be in a, p- a better position having one. So that would be, I think, the first step. And then it's also understanding the education market. And this is something I happen to be personally interested in and write about frequently. And that's, you know, when you hear the cost of a degree, you hear some very, very big numbers, you know, of an MBA costs $150,000 or $200,000. And MBAs can definitely cost that much. But also, if you look at your industry, chances are most of us, I know I don't, and I know most of the people I know, don't work in an industry where the requirement is having an MBA from Harvard or mm-hmm. some of those that have the sticker shock there. So you can start looking at your state schools. Uh, many online providers of MBAs, including state schools, don't have an out-of-state tuition requirement. So you can really shop. You can shop at a local level if that's your preference. If you want a degree from, if you decide you want to, if you decide you need a degree and want one from a school in your area, you can shop there. But you can also shop nationally and look at you know different costs and there can be some MBAs that can be had from accredited schools for as little as $10,000. And if all you need in your industry is to check the box, and I know that has a negative connotation, but Mm -hmm. it's not, I don't mean it that way. Sometimes that is a requirement that you have just have X. And if a graduate degree is a box you need to check in your industry, you could do it in a cost-effective way. You just need to invest your own personal time in shopping around and doing research online to find that. Those are some really good recommendations. And there was one thing that you brought up that I want to touch on, and and that is social media and really using it to your advantage. So how do you recommend people use it as far as, you know, risk-proofing their career is concerned? When I used to think of social media, I would think of kind of Twitter and, you know, what what do I tweet out that would be of value? What do I say in 140 characters that would be of value. And I and I always kind of struggled with that. And then I actually started using the LinkedIn publisher tool, which is a, a social media tool on LinkedIn that allows you to publish a long form blog. So you can publish a hundred or a thousand words on a topic. And what that does is really allows you to establish yourself as an expert in your industry, or even if you're not an expert, just with some someone with something insightful to say. You know, you need to be cautious knowing that when you go down that route, people you work with can see it, you know, potential employers can see it. So of course, be professional. But if you have something insightful to say or some experience, this is what I found is that if you share your personal experiences, and I don't necessarily mean your personal life, but the time you did lose a job and and what you did to find your way back into a career, maybe you started another career or, you know, we, we tend to think Sometimes I know I do that when I experience something, maybe I'm the only one, you know, especially when you're in the moment and then you realize later so many other people 
have faced those moments in their life. And you can start to share those and make those connections on social media. And then what happens as far as risk-proofing your career is not only do you get your name out there as someone with something to say, you also build a network. And, you know, networking is important. In-person networking is absolutely important. You know, going to industry events and different things and conferences in your area. But virtual networking is important too. And you really need to follow some of the same principles that you would in in in-person networking. You know, be reciprocal. If someone, you know, leaves a nice comment on a blog you've written or retweets a tweet of yours or endorses you on LinkedIn or something of that nature, reciprocate back and build that relationship and be a giver, not just a taker. Mm -hmm. All those things that we would, we would, you know, take for granted in our person-to-person, face-to-face interactions, or I think most of us would, are sometimes not necessarily the first thing we think to do when we're interacting with someone online. But if you do follow those principles, um, that network you build can be one of the best insurances in your career. You know, people that you can go to if you do hit a bump in the road and say, I've lost a job, or I might lose a job, Mm -hmm. or it doesn't even have to be that dramatic. You know, have you faced this situation with your business? And you can really get some advice. You can get a source of support. You can sometimes get a a lead on a job that is otherwise unpublished, an introduction. So your network is a big form of insurance in your career. Not only are you building your network, you're building that reputation of yourself. And I think that goes hand in hand with building your network. You want people to have a positive reputation or at least a positive connotation when they think about you and your reputation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's why, you know, you can easily go the other way, you know, and Mm -hmm. and that's kind of the risk of being, and I think what keeps some people away from being active on social media or publishing a blog post or something of that nature is the fear of, if it does go wrong, it can go wrong for you. And I think it's, you know, in order for that not to happen, keep in mind that you're putting your words out there. It's not the place to necessarily throw out you know, that I, I think most people wouldn't put something blatantly inappropriate, but right. a risque joke or something like that. You know, be cautious, but it, you're absolutely right. It does build your reputation. And then, of course, the neat thing about social media is, you know, it starts to spread from the circle you build to their circle and on and on. Through my writing on LinkedIn, I've had some really people that, first of all, I consider some really good friends that I would have otherwise known. And I, I don't know if I'll ever meet them in my life. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean they're not friends in the sense that you can rely on them. You know, you can bounce an idea off them. They're there for you. It might be through a screen, but they're still there for you. And yeah, so that reputation building is absolutely important. Now, there's one last thing that I want to touch on that's a little bit different from than the other things that we've been talking about, and that is finding a resume coach or a career coach and kind of speaking with them and you know having them take a look at your career and what you've done and have them help you figure out where to go. What are your thoughts on doing that? And do you think you really need to spend a lot of money on that? Because some of these professionals can come with a pretty high price tag. Well, I think it's a, it's a, it can be a great investment mm-hmm. in your career. And it can be expensive, but it doesn't have to be. But really, whether or not it's expensive depends a lot on the amount of time or research you're putting into it. And okay. since it's your career, I think that you should put you should invest that time and research and make sure you're getting the right person and you're getting good value for what they do. If you just Google resume coach and you go with the top few links, my guess is you would probably pay more than you need to pay mm-hmm. and not get the industry specific expertise that you need. And I think, again, it takes some legwork and some time in researching it, but through LinkedIn or, you know, just 
searching on Google, but I think LinkedIn is a great place to do it because you can also see people's recommendations and a good resume coach will definitely ask people to recommend them. Mm-hmm. So I would look for again, an industry specific person because they're going to know what people in your industry are looking for. There's always different skill sets. Um, a lot of sometimes those are soft skills that change industry by industry. You know, you need to if you're managing engineers, you might need to know how to manage people that are introverts. Right. And how do I how do I translate that onto a resume? I couldn't tell you how to do that because that's not necessarily a dynamic in my industry. But mm-hmm. a good resume coach who works in engineering management will know how to take a skill that doesn't necessarily have a metric or a hard number to it and have that pop out on your resume. I think it's a good investment. I think you should definitely take the time to find the right one specific to your industry. And also, if any resume coach worth they're worth the money you pay them will not only have references, but let you be willing to talk to some of their other clients. So definitely take those steps before you hire someone. But I invested that money a few years ago mm-hmm. in someone in my industry, and it did really transform my resume. You know, it wasn't terribly expensive. I think it's like $400, which in the scope of what you can invest in your career, it can be, you know, if you're out of work, of course, or even in work, that right. can be a big price tag. But I do know that the amount of responses and feedback I got on my resume it just shot up after I had some help reworking it. And I was still the same person and I had still the same experiences and all of that. It was just the way it was articulated and what was emphasized after working with this coach definitely had a huge impact. Those are some really great suggestions. And it's really great to hear someone's personal experience of, you know, how they worked with a resume coach and what happened afterwards. But we are running out of time today, and I did want to give you the floor at the end here to share any final pieces of advice or suggestions that you might have with our listeners. Yeah, I mean, like I said at the beginning, at some point, and I know a lot of people don't like to think of themselves this way, but at some point, you know, in your career, you're going to be represented by a piece of paper in a stack of other pieces of paper, most of which are probably at least somewhat similar to you. So mm-hmm. if you manage your career with that in mind and think, you know, how am I going to make my piece of paper pop? What am I going to do to make it stand out from those others? Everybody knows they are more than that piece of paper, but at some point you'll be represented by that. If you think in those terms, it really does make it so you may never have to be in that stack of paper by envisioning, you know, that it kind of, I think, can frequently prevent you from having to go through that process. And with that final piece of advice, we will wrap up today's show of Moving Up the Ladder. Dustin, thank you for joining us and sharing your experience and expert advice. We do appreciate it. You're welcome, and I appreciate the opportunity to be on here. Now, if you're looking to find more employment-related shows, head over to aljnradio.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future shows, send our team an email at aljnradio at localjobnetwork.com or send us a tweet on Twitter at the LJN. Once again, I'm your host, Katie Chesney of LJN Radio, and I wish you the best of luck with your career.